this is conscious of crazy, um, in a sense of knowing what's right and what's wrong versus a mentally unsound mind, or am I with knowledge or am I just crazy? Um, so I got a special special guest with me, actually literally the family. Um, <laughs> um, so once again, I mean, well, I love your platform and I'm glad I finally got you on my platform. So uh, introduce yourself to the people and um, we can start this thing. Well, I'm, I'm excited because I've listened to your podcast. I know you've been doing it for a while. So I am Amber Thornton, Dr. Amber Thornton. I'm a clinical psychologist, um, and you and I are related on my mom's side. Actually, both of our mom's side. You're my, you know, yeah. pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm a clinical psychologist. I do a lot of things. I um, currently work with primarily to help with mental health and staff with the children, but then I also have my own um, small compensation practice where I work with working mothers, and uh, I do a lot of work in the mental health and psychology field, so. All right. So, um, so uh, yeah, I guess we could start on, well, I, I think people like to call it, you know, self-care Sunday, since it's, it's Sunday, right. you know what I'm saying? So how do you feel about the self-care and self-love and our environments and as we see so elaborate that for the people, you know, broaden it, broaden the conversation. Yeah, yeah I think self-care is very important. Um, well, I think um, so much that we experience in our lives um, that we be stressful and unjust and, you know, just, um, but this book is So like um I think I feel like meditation is uh definitely a must and some people, you know, are not even aware of meditation or some people, you know, they rather turn on the T V for their um relaxation for the and they call it the um edutainment or attainment state yeah. or the beta state or the you know, the you know, the comfort mind state. Some some people would rather do that, and that's fine too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, people understand about the chakras. But uh, I guess, um, when did you get aware of the chakras and like in meditation or et cetera? What 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 are some things you do for you know the wind down time for the stress release? Right. Yeah, meditation. So I'm actually, for me personally, I'm starting back in twenty thirteen. It was a interesting time, and at that time, I was, I was younger. Okay. I'm a little older. Uh, I'm a little older. I was about 25. Okay. And I was in California, and my family for the first time. I didn't know anybody in Oakland, but I was there for an internship. And um, out there, there was a lot of, like, meditation centers, just because it's, you know, a really diverse area. There was a lot of, like, Buddhist practices and, um, just places where like meditation was just 
I learned a lot until I started to do it. And so now I don't do it as frequently, but every now and then when I know I need to do it, I do it. Um, because like you're saying, meditation is very good for your system. You know, oh, yeah. it helps to calm your nervous system down. It helps to regulate your breathing. And the big thing about meditation is that it helps you become more aware of um, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your just you know, your whole entire being of how you're feeling and how you're doing. You know, a lot of us, we kind of walk around in our world and we just don't have that awareness. And so we don't even realize when we're upset until it's like full-blown anger. Or we don't, we might not realize when we're hurting until it's like a big, big deal. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, meditation really broadens our awareness of how we're truly doing. And so I try to do it as much as possible, um, Especially now, and especially now because I'm a mom too. There's just a lot of stress, but um, you know, it's really important. Yeah, salute to little Cedric out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> salute to the husband Cedric too. Uh, yeah. So yeah, meditation. You know, it raises the awareness, and um, you know, and people understand the layers to the brain. You know, the subconscious versus the, you know, the consciousness versus you know the un the unconsciousness. Yeah. Can you elaborate how? you know, the, the layers of the brain a little bit for the people, too, like, the functions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, because honestly, you might know a lot more than me, but, okay. <laughs> you know, just more <laughs> simple um, with the conscious and the unconscious and subconscious brain, you know, when we're thinking about conscious, our conscious brain and our conscious awareness is more of like, like, for instance, right now, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm talking to you right now. You know, yeah. that's in my conscious awareness. Um, right now, I'm sitting looking out the window. It's funny. I see my husband and my son. They're out taking a walk. So, like, I'm conscious of that. Yeah. But then there might be other things that I'm just not conscious of right now. So, maybe there might be some deep feeling somewhere inside of my mind or my body that I'm just not aware of. Um, and they're influencing my actions or my behavior or there might be some sort of like bad trauma that I've experienced that is influencing me and I'm just not aware of it. And so I think that's what I think about when I think the difference between like the conscious and the unconscious and subconscious mind is, you know, there are things that maybe have happened to us or that we've experienced that Mm -hmm. we just don't have conscious awareness of, but they still really heavily influence us. And I think that why going back to meditation it can really make you a little bit more aware of some of those other underlying things oh, that yeah. we're not so conscious of. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's definitely true. And um, yeah, let me see. Yeah, you know, it's it's all about reprogramming. And uh, people, uh, yeah, it's like we got to reprogram the brain. People don't know that you can reprogram it. You know. You know, get a, gaining a connection to the subconscious, you know, activating the subconscious. Uh, but yeah, people don't understand the, the one on, like, I, I put a post up last night, the one on one of uh, programming, you know, programming one on one, you know, rep- repetition, you know, trauma, you know, um, and symbols. You know, people don't understand that, that pretty much runs, runs the brain and pretty much the reflection of the programming, you know, the repetition. From and symbols are literally our dreams most of the time. People don't get it. <laughs> our dreams is our dreams is like movies pretty much. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty um, it's pretty deep when you uh get you know tap into you know tap into it. And so, what are some ways? Because I feel like you know communities like Chicago, and um, you know multiple multiple cities like even Philadelphia, you know where Meek Mills are from, you know, you know what he went through growing up is definitely that was that's definitely a sign of his situation. This this is a sign of trauma alone, not even repetition. It's trauma, you know. Um, so what do you feel like um, those communities, like like the the trauma impact for the con- for the subconscious and you know the conscious mind in our communities? How do you feel like that affects us and can be resolved? Yeah. Oh, that's a big one because trauma has huge effects. Like huge. Um, honestly, a lot of the effects of trauma are very unconscious and subconscious. We just, we're not aware of it. You know, the one thing that I've noticed about people in our communities is that, you know, we experience so much um, that we don't even realize that certain things are trauma. Like, they're just, you know, just everyday things. Like, maybe if you live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of violence, um, it's just a part of life. They don't really realize, like, that that's a trauma. It's so, like, yeah, they fighting so, again. Then they go fighting again. Mm-hmm. It's the third time this month. <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah. And then it's just like a just a normal thing. It's just, oh, that's just how it is around here. It's just everyday life. But, yep. you know, yes, that is true. That's everyday life. But that person or those people, but um, that still has a, a very big impact on, like, your psyche and your mind and your body. Um, it, it's really, really deep. Know because I think what it then does is it changes your perspective of the world and other people. You know, we experience a lot of traumas and a lot of violence and things like that. It has a way of hardening us. You know, it's harder to experience love or joy because we are so used to um, negative things like violence and um, hurt and pain. But then also, it helps us, it doesn't allow us to better regulate our emotions. You know, because we're so used to a lot of really harsh, negative emotional attacks, so we don't even know what to do when we're experiencing something different. Yeah. Uh, but then also, it changes the way we interact with other people. You're in an environment where there is a lot of violence and a lot of chaos, you then carry that into your other relationships. But the biggest thing I think that trauma does is that it um, it transmits it, it transmits itself intergenerationally. So, for instance, if you experience the trauma and let's say maybe you go on to have children, if you don't resolve or heal that, it is embedded in your DNA. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. it just gets passed on and on and on and on until somebody actually stops the cycle and gets it addressed. So yeah. there are huge, huge yeah. consequences of trauma. I definitely got an example of trauma. Like uh, it was an incident where, you know, brother can't swim so I almost had an incident like that a drowning incident <laughs> so, yeah. so oh yeah gosh. yeah I like I like to stand up in the pool so yeah that's some trauma I got to deal with you know and just little things like that but yeah like I know some people in Cleveland as well like you know it's like it, it must be morning I heard gunshots let's go every morning <laughs> gunshots let's go it's 8 a.m it must be 8 a.m like you know what I'm saying like that's that's yeah. that's serious things and yeah like um I just hate that like uh and then I'm looking up and you know like it's like in 2018 it was like 11.5 percent of African American adults adults in America 
had no access or no form to health care, formal health. And, and 63% of them, of African Americans, have symptoms yeah. or signs of weakness from mental health. And that's a serious mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate that and it's real because I think mental health is so important, but, you know, black and African American communities, we don't often have the means or the access to the mental health support. Yeah. And so that means we just don't get it because we don't have it. Or also another big thing is that there's a lot of mistrust in our community of mental health and mental health professionals. Yeah. Um, so then even if you can access care, you, you likely won't because you don't trust System. And oh, yeah. so then it, we see a lot of, you know, mental health symptoms in our community are, are very extreme and very exacerbated because there, there never was any treatment for it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely serious. And, you know, PTSD, as we're pretty much touching on, like, yeah, it can, it can, it can, it can hurt an individual. It can literally uh, shackle an individual. And I think, you know, our people literally generational, I feel like it's a generational PTSD that's uh, like the elephant in the room, you know, or mood disorder, whatever you want to call it, like, that's been an elephant in the room, and I feel like, um, you know, it's, we got to find ways to deal with that, you know, yeah. Yeah, I agree, I do think there's a generational trauma um, for many, many centuries, you know, I think we could see the earliest evidence of that with enslaved Africans, you know, that the whole 200 years or 600 years is traumatic. And it never ended. And even for our generation, like watching things like Trayvon Martin, Samir Rice, and, you know, things like that, that's a generational trauma. Or like when our parents were coming up, the civil rights movement, like, all of that is traumatic, and it, it just continues to go on and on and on, and it's really concerning. Exactly. Uh, you know what they say, like a picture, a picture paint a thousand words, and imagine what a video does, you know, to the, to the subconscious and to the conscious mind of individuals looking at that. And, you know, dogs, you know, et cetera, being, and then now we got video footage of these yeah. assaults on wow. people. It's kind of, it's kind of definitely painful. And um, yep. that's why it's hard to watch videos like, you know, George Floyd and Trayvon. Like, sometimes I avoid those videos completely. Like, I probably, yeah. I probably waited like probably five days to finally, you know, mm-hmm. look at that video. But yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't think. So my perspective on that, I don't think anybody should watch those videos, to be very honest. I agree. Like, I, <laughs> I agree. I don't think, yeah, I don't think we should watch them, especially black people. Like, I, I think that, so the way that I think about it is, like, I think white people need to watch those videos. And I, I say that because in order for us to experience actual change in, in terms of racism and systemic oppression, we need white people to care. Yeah. And so a lot of times they don't care because it's not their community. But when they see things like that, when they see very harsh, violent things happening, then it's like, wait, that's really happening? And so then they kind of experience a change of mind. But for us, when we watch that, that's a, a, a level of trauma that white people don't experience because it's not their community. It's not their people. They don't feel a connection like we do. And so I don't think black people should watch those. And I know that a lot of people feel like, know it's our duty to watch it because we've got to stay aware but like you don't have to stay aware by traumatizing your 
yourself. Exactly. You know yeah. I mean? It's like the opposite. I don't, it's not helping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not helping. Like, yeah. we know what's happening. You know, you can read about it. You can hear about it on the news. You don't. You should never watch somebody die if you can't help it. Like, if, if you have an option, don't do it. That's not good for your mental health at all. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm probably guilty of it, you know, reposting things, you know, and I seen, like I said, in Chicago, like 104 on Father's Day weekend, uh-huh. stuff like that. Like, and then we got shows like The Shy. It's like, and it's kind of like, that's kind of programming one-on-one. Like, yo, you're going to, trauma just happened. And now a show with the actual realities and, you know, assimilation of the actual trauma of Chicago is coming back on air that same weekend. It's kind of crazy to me. And like we mentioned, it's just a history of trauma. And yeah, um, so your opinions on, what's your opinions on like the inside of like, uh, hmm, like the mind of a criminal or what's your, what's your reasoning for crime or, you know, instances of, you know, violence? What you, I feel like frustration sparks violence. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. and what what more sparks violence? Because I tried to say that to, to salute to Lupe. I've been getting in the base with Lupe Fiasco lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, hey man, frustration, frustration sparks violence. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, but like, yeah. So yeah, you know. Okay, so my perspective on it is, I feel like frustration is like a trigger for it. But under the frustration, there's so many other things that have happened that like brought this person to this point. And, you know, one thing that I've learned in being in this the psychology field is that a lot of people that we would say that are, you know, quote-unquote criminals, I don't always like that term because I think it kind of dismisses their humanity, but, you know, people who do violent acts or, you know, criminal acts, a lot of the time, like 99% of the time, those people have experienced very early traumas. Oh, yeah. Like, trauma out of this world, right? Oh, yeah. Trauma that... A lot of us could never even imagine. Like, people aren't born with, you know, okay, well, this is my belief. And I know a lot of people have different beliefs, but for the most part, most people are not born with the desire to hurt people or a desire to kill or a desire to be a criminal. That is developed over time. Yeah. And it happens when, um, you know, when we don't have the adequate parent support that we need, when we don't have adequate love, when we don't have adequate resources. Um, systemic oppression can trigger some of that too. Like when there's a bunch of trauma, consistent trauma and multiple traumas, um, you are much more likely to then engage in criminal acts or hurt people, kill someone, stuff like that because you have experienced so much trauma and so much harm yourself. Mm. I, I definitely agree and feel like we see it constantly. Like, so yeah, like, and I feel like truly. You know, I feel like love is literally the only law, and I feel like we've been disconnected to that, like the structures of, you know, the projects, and I feel, which has been an experiment to me, it's like, yeah, it's this experiment, survival of the fittest, like, people gonna, you know, put in a situation, you know, pretty much to destroy each other, and I, I hate, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, I agree with you, that, and then also... 
like if you were to go into a prison right now and do a survey of like everybody there, a lot of them, you know, early on maybe lost a parent, whether it was to violence or to drugs or something like that. Like even just the foundational love that you you're supposed to get from your your parents and your family is lost. For oh, a lot yeah. of those you know, just the basic foundation, and then, you know, the lack of community love, all of it, you know, so, I think that's what triggers a lot of that. Yeah, I definitely agree, and, you know, and, mm, so, so what's our way to recover those damaged individuals, or, you know, how, how could we start the healing process for those yeah communities such as, you know, Chicago? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I had a, a good answer. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it, just feels like, it just feels like such a huge problem. Like, I, I think the answer to that is very aspirational, and, and so it would involve a lot of, like, community organizing yeah, and a lot I, of, I believe you that. know, ground um organization, which I think is already happening, but I think know there's there's stuff happening but there's still so much more to do and so that kind of like shows you how much support is treated to really change something for those individuals you know I think on an individual level what it would look like recovery would look like a bunch of mental health services a bunch of family services um a bunch of like healing practices, like a, a whole lot of stuff that we just don't often have access and need to give away. Um, you know, honestly, when I think of the fix for a lot of things, I think of, okay, well, how can we shift to preventative measures? And so it's really hard to cure or heal a person that has been hurting all of their life. Oh, yeah. You know, think yeah. of, you know I kind of tell people, like, look, it took... 20 years for all this damage to happen, yeah. really might be 20 years of hurt. Oh, is that? You know? Yeah. And so, you know, it's really hard to heal people who have been in these type of lives all of their life, mm. you know, but maybe can we focus on, okay, well, how can we ensure that the next generation or the person after this person um, doesn't have to go through that? Exactly. I feel like that's where we typically see the biggest changes if we can try to prevent the things that have happened for the next generation. Yeah, yeah, passing the torch, yeah, that's that's what it's all about, and and I yeah. realize, yeah, you know, sometimes you realize you got some trauma you're dealing with that you was just so happy to be born with, like, hey, what? <laughs> I'm scared to, <laughs> I'm scared of, I'm scared of snakes, what, why? <laughs> I'm scared of rats, like, yo, why I'm scared of rats? Like, yo, because your mama's scared of rats, it's like, what? <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, I feel like, so, hmm, so, so what's the, um, what's the symptoms of, like, like, I know you broke it down, like, schizophrenia, um, you know, bipolar, and what's the symptoms of these several disorders, and I feel like, and how do you feel it's reflected in our communities? Mm-hmm. So, there are so many different types of mental health disorders, like, yeah a bunch of them, yeah. and they all have very different symptoms. So I think the most common ones that we typically see are anxiety and depression. Um, mm, yeah. That's really common. So oh, yeah. like depression, 
are the depression symptoms are more like um, sadness, loss of motivation, sleeping or not sleeping at all, yeah. um, changing your appetite, changing your mood, things like that. Anxiety symptoms are, um, you know, racing heart, um, racing thoughts, um, feeling really disorganized or chaotic in your thoughts or in your mind, mm. um, trouble sleeping, trouble eating. And yeah. So you'll notice that there's some overlap in the system or in the, um, the symptoms of yeah. depression and anxiety. And yeah, so definitely there's a lot similar, of overlap. Yeah. But then there are some other more serious mental health conditions like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, PTSD, and those all have very different symptoms too. Like for instance, um, PTSD or post-traumatic stress syndrome, um, some of those symptoms happen right after there has been a traumatic event and it might look like fear or avoidance of any association of that event or the trauma. Um, it might look like Flashbacks, nightmares, difficulty eating, difficulty regulating your emotions, a lot of avoidance, um, mm. yeah. a, a lot of fear. Yeah. Um, schizophrenia, <laughs> that's a total different um, mm. mental health disorder. And that really looks like a lot of really bizarre behaviors. Like you'll, you'll notice the person just kind of seems like they've just decompensated uh, from who they used to be over the course of time. And so it's a lot yeah. of bizarre thinking, a lot of bizarre behaviors, um, really, really strange things, hallucinations, delusions, mm. things like that. So would you, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> would you classify the Joker as being <laughs> schizophrenic? <laughs> <laughs> Hallucinations. <laughs> yeah, he just he did, but I don't know. I think I might have to watch the movie again. I think he was too calculated in some of the things he was trying to do, but yeah. I don't know. Mm. Good question. And I'm just freestyling again. What city <laughs> do you feel? <laughs> what city do you feel like reflects Gotham City in a way? <laughs> like oh, the streets running crazy. Say it again. You said what city reflects Gotham City? Yeah, the streets running crazy, stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know. Mm. I'm, I'm, I don't know. What do you think? Um, uh, and I feel like even like countries I'm not exposed to probably are even worse. Yeah. And, and I feel like we only have America to see the viewpoint as I talk to Lupe yep. about like I haven't seen other countries communities and they're, they're ghettos and they're ghettos everywhere you know people got to realize that yeah so yep. it could be yeah, worse you know what i was thinking that same thing similar because i was just like you know i only have you know experience of like where i'm at and um you know america so there's so many other perspectives out there that mm-hmm. i don't even know about there's ghettos in london people don't know about man yeah, you know what i'm saying <laughs> but, but yeah um hmm so oh yeah so yes so I realized a recent story lately. Um, let me mm-hmm. pull up his name. Um, young man in California 
you know, they, they called it suicide. Um, and, you know, being hung for a tree, like they're going to call it suicide. You know, I don't, I don't believe it one bit. You know, that's just the third eye. It's like, nah, I don't sound right. (laughs) Nah, I don't think so. Cause, cause that happened a couple other times, you know, just this Mm -hmm. year alone. Like, so what's your feeling on that? And I know I feel it wasn't suicide. Um, you know, because I, I know that I will never, we will never truly have the best, right? Yeah. It's, you know, the things that we do know, it makes it skeptical. Like, it, I don't know. I think my dad is saying it likely wasn't a suicide because it just. Yeah, Robert Fuller. I don't know. That was his name, Robert Fuller. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say, you know, just based on what we know about society and the environment right now and, you know, with that happening a lot of other times, it's, it's hard to believe that that was a suicide. But then I also don't want to dismiss the fact that, like, um, there are people in our community who do suicidal sometimes. Yeah. And they do they do definitely complete suicide. But that particular incident, yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. hard. It's hard to smalls, that, man. Just Big, based on everything else. Biggie you know Smalls, I mean? man. Suicidal thoughts. Like, yo, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like artists definitely got to be responsible because words are powerful. And mm-hmm. um, Tupac, he knew, I feel like he knew the power of words. And in some songs, he embraced it and influenced. But some songs, he did the opposite. I think uh, words are powerful. And um, you know, I've seen the samples with it, like Mac Miller. For example, yeah. like an artist like Mac Miller's like it's like I don't wanna join the such and such club and then he he passed at twenty twenty six. You know I'm saying yeah. so yeah, it's definitely serious, words are serious and do you feel like um positive thoughts can create um positive um like realities and like once again with the subconscious because it's a connection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I do, absolutely. You know, I think our thoughts are so powerful, like you're saying, our thoughts and our words, like really do create our reality um and so we have to be so careful about the things that we're saying to ourselves or the things that we're thinking because yeah. you know if i'm sitting here and i'm thinking something negative i'm gonna feel negative yeah you're gonna tell but all the thinking, cells in your body <laughs> it's like nah yeah <laughs> yeah but if i'm thinking something more positive i'm gonna feel a little bit better and you know it doesn't mean that everything is gonna be magically Yeah, yeah, and I think we find ourselves a lot, and I feel like I've probably found myself a lot around a lot of people, you know, just, you know, not positive thoughts, like, hey, it's like, yo, it's like nothing, it's like nothing positive, like, nah, <laughs> not, not really, it's like, dang, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard something to be, a, you know, a, a shining light, in a, you know, in a dim, in an environment, I feel like it's kind of hard to be you know vibrating at your highest when everybody's at the lowest or the environment isn't really uh, beneficial to be positive exactly yeah. yeah and i think that's why it's also so important to you know just be careful with who you're around oh yeah um I put out a- like you said people can really influence your mood and your behaviors your thoughts so you really got to be careful about your circle and who you're around yeah vibe uh, vibe equals tribe you know people wondering 
you know. So yo, why why is nothing going right? It's like five people's tribe. You know, you gotta get the tribe right. You be good. <laughs> Evolve, mm-hmm. man. And um I like that. I'm gonna use that. I've never oh, heard yeah. that five people's tribe. I like that. I might, That's true. This might be part three. Vibe equals tribe part three. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I put out yeah, I put out Vibe equals tribe two. So yeah, Vibe equals tribe. Um so a quote from um Maya Angelo, history depicts its uh, wrenching pain cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need to be need not to be lived again. So yeah, I think I think it is a cycle we go through and I guess you can elaborate this more. Do you feel like it's a cycle we've been constantly find ourselves in as black African American sun people, whatever? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm not with the term of black sometimes because I've done the history, but you know, the, the book checks and all that. But what's your feeling on do you think it's a constant re- repetition of our people from generation to generation that find us in these situations of being stagnant. Hmm. I think so. Honestly, now that I think about it, and I think, you know, it feels difficult to me. You know, it feels like even though it's different every time, there's a lot of trends and patterns that are still the same. You know, there's still a lot of hurt. There's still a lot of trauma. There's still a lot of, like, um, you know, oppression and injustice. There's still a lot of that. Um, and I think we find ourselves in these difficult patterns because there's still a lot that hasn't been repaired. You know how they say, like, you're going to keep going through the same until you learn the lesson. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I kind of <laughs> think about it. I think I kind of think about it like that. There's still lessons that we are needing to learn that are not being learned. And so we keep going through the same things. It's like history keeps repeating itself because there's not yeah. enough change or enough movement to really get us out of this yeah. cycle. It's like um, waking up at a certain time. So yeah, it's like, okay, I missed the bus again. Alright, so let's I'm going to wake up the same time tomorrow and uh, I'm going to see if I can make the bus. Oh, dang, I missed the bus again. Um, so I'm going to keep doing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it again. <laughs> it's like, nah, it's like, that's the definition of crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely deep. And probably, definitely, I don't mind a part two with you as well. Um, you know, another chat on this, but yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, um, so any um, any other advice or daily advice for people? Um, does it like sleep? Like you mentioned, sleep deprivation like that that can influence you know decision making and you know memory. Etc. And you know, it's people I notice. Like, yeah, it, I see it daily, and you know, I'm still working on my sleep too. Like, my sleep ain't the best. <laughs> you know, I'm working throughout this whole quarantine. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've been jealous of people, but man, <laughs> you've been watching Netflix. <laughs> That's it's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, the biggest advice. You know, kind of like you're saying, you know, right now the biggest advice I have for our people is to take care of yourself because I think so much boils back down to that. Like, yeah. we can't really heal ourselves, we can't heal other people if we're not taking care of ourselves first. And so, yeah. you know, it's your physical health, your, your mental health, your emotional health, 
you know, making sure that your, your tribe is in order, the five months off, like, yeah. what is, how are you taking care of yourself? And then if there's any way that you could set up your self-care or take care of yourself better, you should do it. Because yeah. it's, it, it, like, you need your health. It's, you only got one health. You only got one body. One yeah. Mind, one soul, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we absolutely have to take care of it. Yeah, people. Um, and uh, this is this is a thought I have, and I feel like is it a thin line between being selfish or being racist? Cause, cause yeah, like if if I got a, you know, if I got a splinter in my eye, I'm gonna focus on my eye, not nobody else's eye. And I feel like it's been a splinter, or we stepped on a splinter, whatever. <laughs> And we still haven't got the splinter out our foot, but we want to focus on other things. Like, nah, we we still bleeding over here. We got a problem. <laughs> but mm-hmm. do you feel like it's a thin line between being selfish and racist? Because I I had these chats once again with Lupe Fiasco. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I agree because I mean. You know, essentially racism is, you know, people are racist because they can't, how do I say it, they, it's hard to take the perspective of the other person. Mm. You know, we're all so focused on our own perspective, and so like, you know, a white person, they, it's hard for them to even imagine what our life might be like, or what life might be like as a black person, or a, a you know, an African American person, or, you know, whoever else that's not white, <laughs> and so... Mm. It's because they're stuck in their own perspective that is, you know, this is self-centeredness. I think that's kind of how I think of it. It's like you're so self-centered, you can't even imagine what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. Yeah. That's where racism comes from, partly. It's like you can't even imagine. Yeah, and I think, and I feel black people really can't be racist. I feel like we can be prejudiced, whatever, bigotry, mm-hmm. whatever, but our racism yeah. haven't affected generational you know, a generation of people. And yes. I think that's true. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I always teach people like exactly what you said. You know, we can be prejudiced all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> we could um, we could we could say some hateful things, but racism, there is a structural power dynamic. Like there's there's power yeah. um in racism and that's systemic power and black people don't have that. White people in this country do. And yeah. so that is why only they can be racist. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of other systems of oppression that we could use, but uh, racism, no, that we don't have that yeah. power. Yeah, we got to build up our communities and et cetera to establish racism and as being melanated. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, definitely, um, definitely appreciate the convo and any other gems you want to give the people. Um, oh well, no, this is great. I think. I feel like we said it all, and I think you are very, very wise with us. Like, oh, you've got a lot of information <laughs> and a lot of wisdom to share with people. So, I'm excited that you have this platform to just people, you know, keep people engaged and informed because it's really important. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, people focus on uh, your chakras to the crown, to the root. Focus on the chakras mm-hmm. as well, people. Uh, you know, mental wealth, you know, uh, meditation is a must. And uh, reprogramming subconscious, that daily, you know, repetition, you know, yeah. reverse the negative repetition to positive repetition. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, 
Definitely appreciate you, cuz. Salute to the, the tribe you got over there. Salute to all the Cedrics. <laughs> yes, thank you. So many of it. It's funny because I was telling my husband, I was like, yeah, I'm doing a podcast with my cousin. He was like, oh, what's your cousin now? I was like, Cedric. He was like, what? Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of just said. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, thank you, cuz. And I hope that, you know, things continue to go well for you and your family as well. Definitely appreciate you. Yeah. Vibe this tribe. Positive uh, energy activates constant elevation. Definitely. Yep. Peace.